So since I get occasional questions about it, and for reasons that I just don't want to talk about anymore, we're all sitting at home with a lot to do, I thought I would take this week and maybe part of next week and do a world building seminar. I've talked about some of this before, and I will continue on as if no one has heard those episodes, because I don't want to say too often, go back into the back catalog. I want this to be a resource, so when you're ready to sit down and create your world, you can just put it on and listen. I'm going to be following, for the most part, the method put out in the wonderful book, Stealing Fire from the Gods, but I'm also going to be touching on things that I've learned over the years from other places and resources, such as N.K. Jemison on world building and some other things. And more or less, this is kind of how I do it. So I hope you enjoy. So let's talk about world building on today's episode of Project Shadow. Hello everyone, how are you doing today? My name's Charlie, you might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset, and today we're going to be talking about world building. So if you haven't already followed or subscribed or however it's worded in the app that you're listening to me on to this podcast, you might want to do that so you get all the episodes because I'm going to be doing this as a series. So instead of one a week, this is what we're doing for a little bit. Hope that's all right with y'all. All right, so... Before we get started, I do want to say that I am going to be using a lot of resources from John Bonnet's Stealing Fire from the Gods. It's a great book. It's a wonderful book. And what I'm going to be saying and talking about is no real substitute for having read that book. You see, the purpose of the model that he talks about in there is to find a way to mimic a natural storytelling process, a way of going through your idea in various levels at various means through various means, and basically to tell yourself the story over and over and over again, so that when it's time to actually pick a point to tell a story, you're ready. So this is going to really be about world building and not about story building. That's a separate thing. That's the thing that happens after this. Now, you can do this process with a story in mind, and I, I would highly recommend that because it will limit the scope of what we're doing. It'll help you keep from just getting lost in the world building process if that's not something that you want to do. But beyond that, it, it, this will not give you a finished outline for a story at the end. It will give you a world in which you can carve out a story and then tell that. Okay? And just want to make sure that we all understand what we're doing. All right? Okay. Let's go. So the first steps that he recommends, and I'm going to be talking about all three of these kind of together, and that's finding your fascination, your subject, and what he calls the quintessential. 
Now, what is this? The fascination is just that. Start probing your fascinations. Now, you might already have a story idea that you want to tell, that you want to build this world around. If you do, this is still an important step to do. Don't, don't, Don't skip it. Because what you need to start asking yourself is why. Why is that idea interesting? Because that's what the fascination is. Like, say you're really obsessed with Star Wars or something like that, because you maybe are a fan fiction writer, and you want to kind of create your own space opera. Well, starting with my fascination is Star Wars, that doesn't help. And that might be your fascination. It may be a song, it may be a poem, it may be an idea, a dream, or maybe even a little blurb that you wrote for yourself for the story. It could just be an idea. What if this, what if that? In the fascination phase, we beat that idea up as hard as we can. Well, why am I fascinated by that? What about it is fascinating? Why is that fascinating? Well, what about that is fascinating? And the whole point and purpose of this part of the process is to dig in as deep as we can and find out what's actually there. So, for example, when I was working on the chain, I was obsessed with the story of Cupid and Psyche. I I couldn't get it out of my head. I just kept thinking about it, and I wanted to do something with it. And so that's obviously my fascination, right? Okay. But it doesn't help just to say, well, I'm going to do a retelling of Cupid and Psyche. Because, honestly, that would be boring. And it would. If you just tell the story as everybody already knows it, Nobody's going to care because you have to find what you can add to it, what you can bring to it that makes it your own. So as I'm looking at the story of Cupid and Psyche, there were a couple of aspects that I found really fascinating. One, Psyche makes Aphrodite jealous. Venus is jealous of her because she's so beautiful that people are starting to worship Psyche rather than Aphrodite. And Aphrodite just can't have it. She just can't have it. And that's a part of the story that often gets missed. When you see a lot of retellings of the story, and the one that you're probably most familiar with is Disney's Beauty and the Beast, which is a retelling of the story of Cupid and Psyche, they, they skip that part. They almost all retellings of this story skip that part because, well, what could they be jealous of that causes them to get locked away? Hmm. But that's the part that really fascinated me. She angered the gods. She angered the religious institutions of her day and was thus sequestered. All right. Okay. So let's look into that. Let's dig in there. Why am I fascinated by that? Because what started as a punishment ended up as a reward. Well, that's interesting, and that's an interesting bit of irony, isn't it? So what about that is interesting? And more questions, and more questions, and why do I care, and why am I just unable to get that out of my head? You dig through, you dig through, you dig through. And then you go on to the next part. Well, What about that is interesting? What about, why is it fascinating to me that 
Cupid would only come to her, Eros would only come to her at night and would not let her see his face. And well, you know, if you know the original Greek version of the story, it's not because she was so, he was hideous. He wasn't a monster. He just didn't want her to realize that he was a god. He, he didn't want her to realize who he really was. He didn't want her to see his true face. Oh, well, see, that's interesting. And that's different from most of the Beauty and the Beast style versions of the story that I usually read. Okay, okay. And on and on and on we go. And this is the process of dealing with your fascination. Not just taking it on face value, right? Well, I like sword and sorcery. Well, that's great. I do too. But why? What specifically is it that makes you like it? What specifically about it draws you to it and holds you there? Because that's what a fascination is. A fascination is something that just grabs onto you and won't let go. So what is it that's grabbed you? What has put its hands on you and just shaking you to your core and said, no, this is what you're going to pay attention to. This is what you're going to be doing. Pay attention here. Look at me. Look at me. And finding out what the actual things are, not the surface gloss, but deep down in it. When you dig in, what is actually there that makes you want to tell that story? And you'll start making lists and you'll start developing other ideas and you'll start seeing all these little kernels, all these little things that make you interested. Now, they may, if you're lucky, all start webbing together. They may, you may start seeing, oh, these are all aspects of the same thing. For me, with the Cupid and Psyche story, I started seeing that the things about it that I was most fascinated with was this idea of appearances. Appearance is such an important thing in this story. It's not that Psyche had these magical powers that caused people to worship her instead of the god. I, Aphrodite, right? It's because she was so beautiful. It was her appearance. And it was Aphrodite's vanity that caused her to be upset. Again, obsession over appearance. One by one by one, right? Cupid would not let her see his face. Because if she did, she would know he is a god and would have no choice but to love him, right? So all of these things are coming into the story, and they're all based on appearance. So all of a sudden, I've drilled down through all of these different fascinations, and I found their core, their heart, the main thing that they all hang off of that fascinates me. Now I have found my subject. Once you find your subject, you have a whole new host of questions to start asking yourself. You have a whole bunch of other questions to start going into. Because once you've decided, oh, there it is. I have drilled down to the fascination and I see what my actual interest is, the actual subject that I'm interested in. Now we get to start asking all kinds of different questions. We're no longer interrogating to, to dig in. Now we start doing the opposite. We start questioning it to flesh it out. We're not building it up yet. We're just fleshing it out. We're asking questions like, what do I want people to feel when they see this story? What, what is this story actually about? What, what am I wanting to tell people with this? Because a story about appearances, you could take that a lot of different ways. 
So if I'm fascinated about a story about appearances, then where do I want to take it? And of course, because of all the things that I was going through at the time, this is one of the few times I am going to say, back in the archive, you can find things about that. I'm not going to go into it here. I will go into the future if you guys want, but not right. I decided that the most interesting thing that I could do with a story about appearances would be to make it take place at a drag bar where no one is exactly what they seem. Men are becoming women, women are becoming men, non-binary people are exploring all of the amazing things that they could be and become. Where gender is fluid and everything is changing and oh, we're going to put magic in it. So there are fairies and dragons and all manner of things that don't always look the way you expect, don't always act the way you expect. Because remember, appearance is one of the main things that drew me in here. So I'm starting to catalog, ooh, here, here's what my real story is. It's going to be in this magical world, but it's not going to be a secondary world. It's going to be in our world. So I can really play with appearances. See, you and I see one world, but this other magical world is living parallel to us. Not an original idea. A lot of stories are like that. But because this story is all about appearances, it starts begging the question of, well, how do they hide? How do they keep themselves from being seen? How do they live their lives in a way that we don't? And so all of these questions are coming up. And this is building up your subject. How do I want people to feel? I want people to be fascinated by people's appearance and their ability to change their appearance and to see through appearance. I want people to be curious about who people really are and what their motives are and why they're actually here and involved in the story. Because we're asking ourselves these questions of how do we want people to feel? What is the story really about? And we're starting to tease that out and starting to develop it just slightly, but we're starting to develop it. And that is a powerful, powerful moment in the beginning of any story that we want to tell. And then we move on. Once we feel that we have that, we, we move on to the last step, which he calls the quintessential. So now we have this idea of what we're fascinated about. And we have this idea of what the subject of the story will be. We go back to our fascination and we distill it even further. Taking what I'm fascinated by through this story or this subject that I just came up with, what is the quintessence? What is the heart? What is the core thing that everything is going to build on? Now, one way to think about this is John Truby's idea of the, oh, what did he call it? The design principle. It's the thing that the entire story is going to eventually be built around. It doesn't mean we can't have other things, but there have to be other things there. So going to back to Star Wars, for example, because I think most people have seen that, A New Hope, episode four, the thing that holds that entire story together is the idea of the force. It's there at the beginning of the story. It's there at the end of the story. It's the, thi it's the thing that holds all of that together. Why is Luke Skywalker called? How does he know what to do? How is Obi-Wan figuring out what's going on? 
How does Obi-Wan save them? What happens to Obi-Wan when he dies? How does Luke save everyone at the end? It's all tied together in this idea of the Force. That's the fascination turned into the quintessential, into that design principle, into that core idea of the setting. And you can see how that works through everything, and it's one of the core ideas of Star Wars. It's really hard to have Star Wars without the Force. It really is. You can see this in Rogue One, where they bring it in through the Guardians of the Wills. You can see this in all of the other movies with the Jedi. You can see this played with in shows like Star Wars Rebels with the idea of the Jedi and the Bendu. But the Force is one of the most unifying ideas in all of Star Wars. It's one of the things that makes it unique from any other space opera story. That there is this universal force created by all life that binds the universe together and that it has a light side and a dark side. And that allows us to tell stories about people that are good and bad because they're either on the light side or the dark side. And that permeates every aspect of Star Wars. That is its quintessential element. That's its fascination boiled down to its core concept. Now, this is important for you to find if you're going to do world building. Because I can tell you from experience, unless you're just wanting to do world building for the pure sake of world building, if you're doing it just for the fun of it, oh, have fun. It's still an important idea because it helps your world have a cohesiveness that it might not otherwise have if you don't do that. But if you're doing a story, if you're, if you're doing all this world building because you have a book or a series or something that you want to write in, Understanding that quintessential element is so important because without it, the story will fall apart. You see, the quintessential element in Harry Potter is that love is the strongest magic. Th that is the core that goes from book one to book seven all the way through. Love is the strongest magic. And it's repeated over and over again in each book, right? Now, having said that, we then, throughout the series, see it juxtaposed to other forms of magic. Harry could not have won the Triwizard Tournament if it wasn't for the love of his friends who protected him and helped him through. Through the love of strangers like Cedric Diggory. Through the blind devotion that a Death Eater had to he who must not be named, who must not be named. All of these aspects of love help him win the Triwizard Tournament. Love is the most powerful magic. And thus all of our stories in every book in the Harry Potter series deal with love. It is the element that holds it all together. So that's our first process. And it's a very important one to go through. And it's one that most world building systems skip. And this really is the fire that you're stealing from the gods. Because it's going to make everything else a lot easier to figure out and a lot easier to do. So remember, we start with our fascination. What, what are we interested in? We brush it with questions until we get an idea of what, what we actually care about there. 
then we filter that into the story we want to tell and how we want it to make people feel. And then we filter our original fascination back through that story idea. And that's the first three steps of world building. And that can take anywhere from a couple hours, if you're really, really inspired, to weeks to months. Don't feel that you have to rush it. It will take the time that it takes, and it's so important to get it right. Tomorrow, we're going to go on to the next step, the next stage in world building, and actually start building more of the world. But it all is going to hinge on having this first step, this idea, this design principle figured out. All right? I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did and you haven't already, please do rate this podcast in whatever app you're listening to me on. If you don't have the ability to rate it, maybe share it with some people you think would like it. Maybe a writing group that you're in. Because, like I said, I'm right now, this is all going to be a series. And I will be creating a playlist on Spotify, because they let me do that, that will have all of these episodes in it. Thank you to everybody who shares it and rates it and everything. Y'all mean the world to me. I really hate to say this, because I know everybody's having trouble, but I would simply note that links to my Patreon and my and the listener support are in the show notes should you want to help us out in these times. I guess I should say amid these times, because that is our buzzword right now, is it not? Um, if you have any questions, comments, or topics you would like to hear discussed on the show, especially as we're going through world building, if there's something that you did not understand in one of these episodes, either go to the show notes and click the click the voice message link, Keep it short, keep it clean so I can use it on the show. I would love to hear from you and answer your questions. If you'd rather hit me up on social media, I am C. Dorset on both Twitter and Instagram. And you can find links to everything that I do over at projectshadow.com. Alrighty. I hope you're doing well. Stay safe. Stay well. And as we're going through all this together, don't forget to have the fun. Bye.